that your resume is really nothing more than a movie trailer. And if you've seen a movie trailer, it is a short uh, highlight reel that is meant to elicit a specific response from a particular audience. So in our case today, the audience is potential um, hiring managers or companies looking to hire talent like you. And it's really from there, it's just a matter of what information can I share to make sure I'm putting my best foot forward and telling them who I am uh, and what I want to do and how I could be valuable to their organization. Welcome to Elevate Your Career, the podcast dedicated to empowering individuals from all walks of life as they navigate the ever-changing landscape of their chosen fields. In this show, we'll be bringing on a diverse range of professionals from various career stages to uncover the secrets behind achieving success in any industry. We'll explore how they achieve their career goals and the path they took to get there. Your host is none other than Nicole McMacken. CEO of the Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, an award-winning information technology solutions and staffing provider. Now let's get to the show. Welcome. This is Nicole McMacken, CEO of Irvine Technology Corporation. We are ecstatic to have our head of delivery, Russell Wolf, otherwise known as The Coach, joining us today. His name is The Coach because he helps thousands of people a year advance their careers. And I'm hoping that you will get something today that will help advance yours. We're going to be speaking about resumes as well as your LinkedIn profile and stick around because Russ is getting a 10 minute segment to pitch his dream job to the Dodgers. Russ, Russ Wolf. So excited to have you here today. I cannot wait to learn all the gems that you are going to be providing our audience. Happy to share. Russ, you and I have worked together here for, I think, a little over a year at Irvine Technology Corporation. Year and a half now. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe it. And kind of for our audience, uh, since you cannot see Russ, he's a gentle giant. He is uh, hilarious on many, many fronts. And one of the best in the business in regards to helping people uh, focus on their job search. And Russ immediately told me when he was interviewing here at Irvine Technology Corporation that his number one choice in having and landing a job would be what, Russ? If you weren't doing what you're doing now. Well, I'd be announcing. I'd be hosting a game show. I'd be announcing baseball games. I'd be doing something with my voice. Probably. I like talking, so. <laughs> so this and this is a good business for that too. It is. It is. He's on the phone all day long. And when I thought of a person to come aboard and talk about landing a job, writing a resume, all the proper techniques to get you to that next step to elevate your career, I thought about my radio talk show host here, Russ Wolf. So welcome, Russ. Thank you. So because we have just some limited time, I want let's get down to it. So I am looking for a job. I could currently be working at an, my existing job and I say, you know what? I want to elevate my career. I'm going to take that next step. What are the first things that you would recommend a person in my situation I haven't looked for a job or maybe I'm I'm brand new, right? I've just graduated college. 
what are some of the things that I need to focus on to elevate my career or maybe just even to get that first job? Sure. Well, there's really two first things you need to do. The first part is you need to have some kind of idea of what you want to do. It doesn't need to be fully nailed down or fully thought out, but you need to have a general idea of what you want to do because then it goes to your resume and your online presence, your LinkedIn profile, and you really need to know how you want to share that message. And that's really the trick is how you share who you are, what your capabilities and accomplishments are, and how do you get recognized. Uh, I tell candidates all the time when I'm helping them with their resumes and and in the same situation that your resume is really nothing more than a movie trailer. And if you've seen a movie trailer, it is a short uh, highlight reel that is meant to elicit a specific response from a particular audience. So in our case today, the audience is potential um, hiring managers or companies looking to hire talent like you. And it's really from there, it's just a matter of what information can I share to make sure I'm putting my best foot forward and telling them who I am uh, and what I want to do and how I could be valuable to their organization. Russ, so when I'm working with people who are putting together their resumes, I find, and I don't know if if you find this as well, but sometimes people say, hey, can you just take a quick once over of my resume? And I find that they are not, and, and I'm boastful, i I guess is not the right word, but they're not conveying in strong enough language who they are as well as what they have done. And I always coach people, and I'd love your insight on this, that a resume should be an action and a reaction. So if there is a portion of the resume where I, let's arbitrarily say that I have um, led a team of 12 people. So that would be an action. And what was the reaction that happened after that for the business? So I have single-handedly led a team of 12 people, which helped the company or benefited the company in XYZ manner. That could have been, it increased their return on investment, by reducing the overall costs of headcount with this 12-person team or other things of that that nature. So by taking an action, and then what was the reaction? What was the reaction for the business? How did what I did benefit that business in a sense of, of numbers, um, how it lowered costs, how it, how it increased return on investment for the company? Are you seeing that as well? And would that be something that you personally would advise job seekers? Absolutely. What you're talking about is uh, what is the accomplishment? We are in a day and age where so many people get bad advice on their resumes and they list their responsibilities. People that are looking at resumes, whether they are hiring managers, whether they are recruiters, whether they are executives like yourself, no one is reading a three and four page resume word by word by word. So they look for the highlights and what captures that interest, what leads us to want to know more about someone is what are their accomplishments? So in the example you just gave, I always suggest people turn it around. Start with what the accomplishment was. Championed increased revenue for an organization by spearheading a team of 10 project analysts, X, Y, and Z. Uh, and it takes some work. Um, you know, Putting your resume together, uh, I always tell people I, I am not a fan of paying to have a resume written. You need to write a resume in your voice. Um, it's a cathartic experience. And it's your voice. And as a recruiter, as a hiring manager, if it's not your voice that I'm looking at, that will come through on the interview. 
But what you're talking about there is, again, it's the accomplishment. And I think the best thing someone can do on their resume is uh, on the first page, a short introductory paragraph, two sentences, maybe three, just highlighting who you are, what your strengths are, and then focus on accomplishments. No, I agree. I agree. I think that's great advice. What do you think about, sometimes I get people who are sending me resumes and it's all really, they're trying to to make themselves stand out and the resume itself be very distinct by nature and kind of this crazy format and, and a lot of different colors. And, and now, you know, some people are putting photos of themselves on on the resumes and some people are, are putting, you know, swans and ducks and dogs and, you know, really just trying to to differentiate themselves. And I don't know, I, I heard, and I, I don't know if this is 100% true, but sometimes when you're submitting your resume over into, let's say, Monster or an online portal, sometimes they strip down those resumes and then to the viewer, it becomes really offset and funky how that end user is seeing your resume. I, are, is that true? And, and what would you advise to that? Yes. Most companies are using some form of an applicant tracking system and they use OCR technology to, as you said, they, they bring in the resume and they put it into their system. So on one hand, I am not a fan of fancy formatting, multiple fonts. I want a resume to be clean. I want it to be uh, a white background. I want it to be the same font, different sizes of fonts. If you want to have your name a little bit bigger, that's fine. Um, but it's about the content, right? Um, unless you're a designer, uh, and at that point you have samples to show, a pretty resume with good colors and fancy pictures, none of that's going to get someone a job. And in fact, in many cases, to me and a lot of my colleagues, it's a turnoff because they're trying to compensate uh, for their lack of skill or something else. Put forward who you are. Tell us what you're good at. Tell us what your accomplishments have been. Tell us the skills and technologies you have worked with. Um, and let your yourself speak for yourself. Let, let your accomplishments, let what you've done speak for itself. Um, easy formatting. I personally use uh, Calibri, uh, either font 11 or 12. Some people use Arial. Some people use Times Roman. Uh, but any of those primary fonts uh, are good. I would also caution against um, using a lot of those templates you may find in Word that separate them into boxes and graphs. Those don't translate well either. Um, a simple format should just include the company you were with, uh, the dates you were there, what your title was, a short introductory paragraph, one or two sentences about what your role was at that company, and then two to three, maybe four accomplishments in that particular role. You want to leave enough information for whoever is looking at your resume to be curious and want to ask more questions. You don't need to put everything on there because then you have nothing to talk about in an interview. Perfect. Cover letter? No cover letter. The big debate. The big debate. Uh, I just had this conversation yesterday with someone. I don't think cover letters are really that necessary anymore. Uh, I certainly don't think that they are going to separate you from getting a job or not getting a job. If done well, and, and they are short and succinct, they can certainly help. But companies and, and hiring authorities these days, they're, they're looking at what's on the resume. Uh, they're looking, do these people have the right skill? Now, one quick note to that, I'm a huge proponent of thank you notes after an interview whether it is by email, whether it is, even if you have, you know, if you want to mail it out, but thank you notes uh, are a lost art. And if, again, done right, short, succinct, short summary of key points in that interview, those go a long way to, to helping uh, create a, a longer lasting impression. So I have a little tip that I tell people all the time I'm going to share today with you. And it's a little out there, but I would say about the thank you notes that you are going to email the individual 
who you uh, just had an interview with. And then you are going to also write them a handwritten letter. Oftentimes, there will be either a recruiter or an HR person for that company that has set up the interview for you. It could be an administrative assistant. And I would also email them a thank you, as well as find out where they're located. And now in this virtual world, it could be remote. And as best as you can, send them also a handwritten note. Absolutely. Now, this is the kicker. Many people do not do this. But oftentimes when you are interviewing for a higher level position, you will interview with a supervisor or a vice president. And you know, it could be, let's talk in the technical world, a CTO or a chief information officer. And what I recommend is you handwrite, you find out who that individual is, you handwrite them a message about your interview with, say, Russ Wolf. I had an opportunity to interview for XYZ position this afternoon with Russ Wolf. I wanted to share with you some things I've gleaned from our interview, how impressive he was, how I see myself fitting in with the organization. What, what that has done is showcase that person that you've just interviewed to their direct boss. And even if you don't do and get the job, it's a great way to to pay it forward to someone and highlight someone else. And um, I've never heard a poor thing about it. In fact, I've heard many people say they've done it and it's helped them get either the job or to that next level in the interview process because the person that they did that for, whether it be the administrative, um, the HR person helping, or even their direct supervisor were very, very impressed. So that's just a little trick for their that's trade. That's a great, not only is that a great tip, but I, I think it also, um, one of the things I talk about with candidates all the time, once we've gotten past their resume and their LinkedIn profile is taking initiative. Um, people want to see that as, as a, as a, you know, CEO of an organization, you want to see everyone in your organization take initiative. So the tip you just shared is a great way to separate yourself from everybody else out there looking for a job because a lot of people will not do that. But if you've taken that extra time to not only handwrite a note, but then figure out where to send it to, um, it's showing initiative. And that is a, a huge driver being successful in your job search. Okay, Russ, this is this is a question. And, and you and I have seen seen where this has gone overboard, taking too much initiative. So you don't hear back. <laughs> you've interviewed for a position. You've landed the interview. You've You've gone through the steps. You send your thank you notes, right? When would you follow up with, the the person who's either set up the interview with you or, you know, next steps, you haven't heard back sure. and it's been three days, it's been a week. What is your next steps? And and when is it too much? When do you say, okay, I'm going to walk away from this? Great, quick, great question. If part of it depends on who you are dealing with. If you're dealing with an internal recruiter or, or an administrative assistant who's setting up those interviews, they may not always have all that information. What I like to say is after you've had an interview, uh, if you're working with a recruiter, give them 48 hours, 48 to 72 hours to see if you've heard anything. And a, a good recruiter uh, is going to follow up with you in that time frame anyways. I always tell people, look, one, once a week, if you haven't heard something, you know, roughly once a week, follow up. Um, if you haven't heard anything after two or three weeks, look, they either are not interested, they have other priorities. And at that point, you move on. 
What you don't want to do, and unfortunately happens many times when I'm working with candidates, I get a phone call every day, a text message every other day. The reality is, and some recruiters give other recruiters a bad name because they ghost candidates. When you're working with a quality professional, a quality recruiter, a quality hiring manager, they're going to tell you as soon as they have some information one way or the other. Um, So really, 48 to 72 hours over that first week or two. After that, if you haven't heard anything, maybe one final email after three or four weeks just to kind of put it to rest. Um, But generally, I find uh, the hiring authority, whoever you're working with, is going to get back to you typically within three or four days. Okay. But but you don't want to reach out. You don't want to reach out every day. That. Not that every day, huh? <laughs> no. Even, even te- you know, a lot of people text. I- I'm working with a candidate right now. I've been very clear with him about the situation with the client. They're not ready to move. And I'm getting a text from him literally every day. And at that point, you know, past behavior and performance indicates future behavior and performance. If they're going to be that forward with constantly following up and not listening to what you're saying, how good of an employer are they going to be? So you don't want to leave the wrong message either by being overbearing on your sure. communication. Sure. Sure. And, you know, it's often times that I find that our clients will come back to us and and they just have been slammed and they they don't have opportunity to even though they're desperate for this hire, they're so busy because they need that hire that they're swamped and we're pestering them. We need feedback. We need feedback. We need feedback. And they're, you know, then they just go dark. And then two weeks later, they come back and they say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but I want this person. Right. And so, you know, we all just need to be able to to look at where we are and and adjust and, and it's a difference of priorities. Right. Like is. as a candidate, my number one priority, especially if I'm out of work, is finding a job. So it is constantly front of mind for me. Why am I? You know, this is important. Why am I not hearing back? But like you said, the client, they could have a network outage. They could have a, an urgent client, other priorities that while this is important. It's seventh on the list, you know, right? There's six other priorities that are higher above it. Um, and so it's just a difference of opinion. And that's really where working with a good recruiter, a good staffing professional is important because I'll coach my candidates on that and, and let them know, look, this is what's happening. My client is busy. I promise I will keep you posted. And if you make a habit of doing that and if, you know, you have that good line of communication with the candidates, you can alleviate a lot of those concerns. But yes, I've also seen candidates not listen to what we say, and they go around and try to go to the client. You you want to avoid those things. Work with whoever is your sponsor, whoever is driving this. Again, recruiter or or supervisor or HR, whoever it is, work with them to best understand how to do your follow-up communications and when. Perfect. Great advice. Great advice. Are you ready to break barriers and become the next CIO in the tech world? Here's the exciting news. We've custom designed a groundbreaking course specifically for female executives interested in becoming CIOs. And the best part, it's absolutely free. This women's leadership course is the first of its kind to support female leaders in technology. The program delves into real life scenarios that CIOs face daily. Whether they're leading small enterprises or vast Fortune 500 companies, So if you're a manager, director, or VP of technology, this course is a perfect fit for you. Current CIOs and technology leaders will take you on a 15-week journey, guiding you through a 360-degree view of what it takes to be a CIO, the pragmatics of implementing IT governance, the foundations of C-suite level project management and portfolios, and so much more. Ready to take a leap of faith in your career? Go to www.irvinetechcorp.com forward slash program and the link is in the description box. If you want to contribute to a more inclusive and equitable tech world for women, 
You can start at www.irvinetechcorp.com forward slash program. Join us in our next course for the Women in Leadership program and be part of this exciting journey. Now back to the show. Just, you know, getting back a little bit on on the resumes, uh, we talked about using words and um, action and, and reaction and, and highlighting accomplishments. But action-driven words, I think, are really important. And that's what I was touching on on before. So words like spearheaded, you had used that, championed, orchestrated, pioneered, even in some cases, engineered. But using action-oriented words to bolster your resume. And I think a lot of us are very humble individuals and not used to to writing like that about ourselves or speaking about ourselves, frankly, like in that manner. So I, I would recommend that. But Russ, when you're you have your resume, and then let's talk about this world of LinkedIn and how our resume should mirror our LinkedIn. And and sometimes we see in the recruitment world and clients will always push back on us as well. Are their LinkedIn consistent with their resumes? How important is that? And, and any LinkedIn profile tips that... Sure. Because right now, corporate recruiters, and that's a network, right? That all of us should be on. And we should make sure that we have a great story and of our accomplishments, as well as, you know, very consistent throughout our LinkedIn profile about the organizations that we're involved in, what we're doing. I love when people are posting videos, right? And showing and, and part of, of organizations that, that they're passionate about and, and, you know, focusing on those things. What are, what are some things that you could talk to us about within LinkedIn? Well, you hit on a few good points um, in, in our industry and in technology, but I've also seen it in finance and accounting and other, you know, high, uh, high service industry, industry type roles, legal setting. A LinkedIn profile isn't just a nice to have. It is an absolute imperative. Uh, LinkedIn is uh, one of, if not the top hiring tool. Uh, I don't know a hiring professional that doesn't cross-reference every resume they get on LinkedIn to see if there's a profile there. And, and we're looking for a lot of different things. One, we're looking for what you said, consistency. A resume and LinkedIn profile don't need to necessarily match 100% because you may have slightly different versions of a resume, right? If you're someone who's got product experience, but you also have data analysis experience, maybe you're highlighting it for a particular job. But there has to be the consistency, the, the companies you've worked at, the dates that you've worked at those companies. Having that consistency and obviously, okay, this is obviously the same person, that is critical, uh, especially in technology where we do see a lot of fraud uh, these days with candidates. Having that consistency is critical. The other things to keep in mind for a LinkedIn profile absolutely have to have a profile picture. Make it a professional one. You can take a selfie with a nice background, um, but have a good, you know, full, we can see who you are. And you also want to have a header, uh, a header photo. LinkedIn provides you that kind of gray blob. Put in a header picture. It could be something related to your uh, industry or your profession. It could be a nice sunset. But there's a lot of studies on LinkedIn that show uh, profiles that have both a profile picture and a header picture. Uh, they get more attention. People stay on those profiles longer. Once you've made sure that your profile matches pretty closely to your resume, um, it's really up to you. Some people like to have all the details of their resume on their profile. Other people like to list one or two accomplishments under each job as opposed to what the more detail they have on their resume. That's what I prefer is highlight two or three accomplishments for each job. Um, and then you know, your resume can fill in additional details. But some of the other things on your LinkedIn profile that are important are your activity. 
you want to show that you're active. You want to be in the habit of connecting with people that you speak to, um, to grow out your network. There's no shame, especially when you're actively looking for a role, to make sure you're highlighting the recommendations and references. That's what I go to look. Uh, I go to look for that consistency, but I want to see, do they have recommendations? Have people taken time out to say something about this person's professional background? Who else are they related to? Are they connected to? Is there someone in my network that I'm close enough to that I could call and say, hey, you know, Joe just applied job or I found Joe's profile. Looks like you're connected with him. Anything you can tell me about Joe? We all know that those what we call backdoor references are, are critically important when you hear something positive that boosts someone's standing. Um, so those are really the key things. The other thing I tell people is you've got to be active on LinkedIn. If you're in a job search, passive or active, make sure you're spending 10 or 15 minutes a day um, going through your LinkedIn feed. You don't need to necessarily write an article or even put up a post, but you do need to congratulate someone on a new job or you know comment on someone's post or even like someone's post. Because what's happening is LinkedIn's algorithm is using that to show that you are more active, you are more likely to respond. So if a recruiter or hiring authority is doing a search with one of LinkedIn's tools, and you have all the right keywords, your profile is going to show up higher up in that search and make it more likely someone's going to reach out to you based on you being someone who's more active on LinkedIn and more likely to respond. I didn't know that. That's something I just learned. That's super interesting. Thank you. You're welcome. Tell the audience, we're talking about people that have, have a lot to write about, right? On LinkedIn and put in their resumes. But what about the person that's just come out of college? right? They're, they're looking and they're just starting their career. It could be in technology. It could be in finance and accounting. How can they build a strong resume and create a robust online presence? What, what would you recommend? I don't know about you, Russ, but I always say to the person that's just coming out from college, please make sure that you have done summer internships. Absolutely. Because oftentimes those internships are going to either become phenomenal references for you or and or they're going to offer you a job at the end of that internship when you've completed college. But I always tell people your first job out of college is going to be the hardest to get. It just is. Absolutely. Well, what you're talking about, again, is that word initiative Um, by doing those internships, paid or unpaid, gaining incredible experience uh, and that's work experience that that should go on your on your profile and on your resume for someone just coming out of college um, depending on the field let's say technology um, undoubtedly you did labs in college you had specific projects that you worked on maybe they asked you to code something that is all experience um, you don't need to write a novel about it but again one or two sentences about what the project was and one or two sentences about what the or bullet points about what the accomplishment was that will drive interest um, in that person's profile. But you, you can't just create experience out of thin air. And if you're not going to take the initiative, go out and find an internship um, to call companies and just, hey, can I work for free for a little while so I can start to learn? Those are the kind of things that, that I will look for. I, years ago, before I ever got into staffing, many, many years ago, uh, I worked in the film and entertainment business. And I spent many, many days while I was in school, I'd come home after college, I'd spend two or three hours with the trade papers, and I would call every single film production that was out there. And I would do it twice a week. And I would not beg, but I'd say, look, I'd love to come in for a day or two and just shadow someone. Uh, I got my first few jobs that way, and those started to lead to several other higher profile opportunities that I got to work on in production. Ultimately, I realized that wasn't the industry for me, and I pivoted and uh, found technology recruiting, and it's been a great move. 
but it was that initiative that I took and the hard work that I put into it that ultimately allowed me to move forward uh, and get those jobs. It's the same thing for people coming out of college now. Highlight your accomplishments. doesn't matter if they're professional or in school, um, but put your best foot forward about who you are and what you do. Create interest in what you've done. So if you're coming out of college and you're putting together a resume, you're going to put in, you know, maybe you haven't done an internship, right? But you're going to put some of your potential labs, uh, work that you've done, group projects. Absolutely. To your resume. And would you put also extracurricular activities on on that resume? So say you have not done an internship. Maybe you're you're part of a business fraternity or sorority or you're you've actually joined a charitable organization that you spend quite a bit of time. Or would you focus and feature those as well? Absolutely. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily put you know bird watching unless I'm looking for a job in that field. But any associations <laughs> you've been involved with, um, any charity things that you have done that are somewhat related, absolutely. And and one of the reasons is not just for the experience, but you again the audience that you're you're putting this out to, you never know. Someone may say, "Oh, I'm very familiar with that charity. I, I want to talk to this person." Um, so putting those kind of things on there uh, are very important. But one one thing to really look out for that I do see with a lot of um, you know, new career professionals is they're so worried because they don't have that experience. They try to overload their resumes with things that they maybe they've heard about a technology and they list it on there. You don't want to do that. Be honest about what you've done. Be honest about the, the groups and organizations that you've worked with. Uh, and those things will shine through for you. But on the contrary, if you do put in a lot of just filler and, and words on there, that's going to shine through too. And it won't be a positive uh, shine. It's funny, I had um, a client contact me and they were having uh, their internal human resources department uh, vet and find candidates uh, through an online portal. And uh, he called me and said, Nicole, it's enough. It's enough. I need you to come in. We, we need help here. And so I had asked them what was what were they seeing in regards to candidates and, and what's been happening. And he said, we just interviewed a candidate. And it was for a developer position. And he had, this gentleman had put so many things on his resume. He had said when they were screening this individual, they didn't even think he was technical in any capacity. And so that's wonderful to be able to get an interview, right? And that's a big hurrah. And and we're going to do another episode on how to prep for an interview and what to say and the questions to ask on an interview and all those good things. But to your point, this gentleman had put, well, they didn't even think he was in the technical realm. And so I said, oh my goodness. All right. You're right. You do, you do need help. But um, just to, in closing, you know, anything else that we haven't touched on in regards to the resume, making sure obviously we're very clear about our LinkedIn profiles being consistent with what our resume says. Is there a length of resume? People who are very senior in their career, they ask me quite a bit, how many pages? Does that matter? Uh, it does matter. But again, like I said earlier, not no one reads a full resume verbatim line by line. My rule of thumb is I will never send a resume more than five pages long to my client uh, when I'm submitting a candidate. Uh, That's the same advice I share with candidates that I coach. But that's for someone who's got 15, 20 years experience. Um the, the length of your resume, the, the rule of it's got to be one or two pages, that doesn't apply anymore. That's that's really uh, outdated. The important thing is, is not the length of the resume, but the length of the experience you're sharing. And I go to, for every job that you've had, 
two to three sentences as a kind of introductory paragraph about that job, and realistically, no more than three to five bullet points about what your top accomplishments were. In some tech roles, you can add an additional line for what those tech skills were. But you know, you're going to get two or three of those jobs on a page. It's enough to wet whoever the, the wet the appetite of whoever's looking at your resume. But again, leaves enough out there to ask questions. The, the common mistake I see with a lot of candidates is they have ten page resumes. They list every single thing they've done on a bullet point. Not only is no one reading that, but if they are, they've answered all my questions. I have nothing to discuss with them in an interview. Um, so really, just want to kind of focus on those highlights when it comes to length. But for an established professional, I really wouldn't be doing anything over four to five pages. One other thing I want to add to that that you were talking about with the, the technical skills, if you are just coming out of school, the internet is a wonderful, wonderful thing because there are countless places that you can do free courses to learn Python, to learn SQL. It may not, you may not be an expert in it, but those are the kind of things if you're looking at someone who's young and inexperienced looking to add to their resume, take an hour or two course on some of those skills. Take an introductory course on AWS or cloud technologies. And you can list those under education, and it'll, again, show the initiative that even without a job, you're trying to learn and improve who you are. And those things really do shine through on resumes. Ooh, what about those boot camps? The boot camps are, are most of them are very good. It really depends on what your goal is. Some of the boot camps can be quite costly and quite expensive, and we could probably do a whole show about that. I am connected. One of them to, I saw was like $3,000 or something. I know another one that's $12,000. Oh, my gosh. All right. Um, no boot camps. <laughs> so, so, some, of them, some of them are valuable, but that's a whole other episode because you really need to do some investigation because some of them, they're not what they say they are, and they really mislead. I've, I've dealt with a lot of candidates who are misled by them. Okay. Any other words of wisdom from our Russ Wolf? Don't be afraid. Go, you know, even if you don't think you're necessarily fully experienced for a job, put your best foot forward. It doesn't take to reach out to someone. The worst thing they can do is say no, but you're on their radar screen. Just you got to put yourself out there and uh, be confident in who you are. And when the right opportunity comes along, you will land that right up. Fabulous advice. So, Russ, you know this here at ITC. I, I'm saying this constantly and challenging our teams to make yourself uncomfortable. If you have not made yourself uncomfortable once a day, and I'm not talking about eating too much, I'm talking <laughs> about I'm talking about putting out a question, asking something of yourself that would be out of the ordinary, that you hold your breath after you put something out in the world. I could ask you, would you mind helping me with an introduction? I noticed that you are connected to a company I'm trying to get an interview with. Absolutely. And then just quiet, right? And making that myself a little uncomfortable. And you never know what happens. If you don't ask, you know you're not going to get it. It, it. It's an automatic no. If you don't ask, it's an automatic no. It, my email signature, uh, both personal and professional, mostly personal, is don't let the fear of striking out keep you from swinging. And that's something I've lived by for years. You've gotta that. put, that's how you grow, is you got to put yourself out there, try new things. Um, even on LinkedIn, if you're trying to get a job, you see a, a, a job description, great. Before you apply to it, take 10 minutes and do some research. Is there anybody at that company that you're connected to or have someone that you know is connected to that can make an introduction? If not, go ahead and apply. Send a short invite and a note to the recruiter at the company or someone who might be the supervisor for that particular role, introducing yourself, saying, I just applied to this job. I'd love to talk about your organization. No, that doesn't mean everyone's going to respond to you, but those are the kind of things that will set you apart from all the other candidates that you're competing with. Russ, in your your best voice, if you're interviewing right now, 
I'm giving you 10 second pitch for the Dodgers. It's your <laughs> your time. <laughs> I'm, Wait, putting you on the spot. So I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> You're, you have a 10 second pitch, not necessarily to get the job, but maybe even in your best voice, you could say something like, and I don't know. I don't really watch baseball, but like Mike Trout sliding. And I know he's not a Dodger, but sliding into second base. Doesn't You're going to, I give you 10 seconds for your pitch. Well, so my pitch would be if you're going to be successful as an announcer for baseball, you have to love baseball so that your emotion comes through. And I'll always go to Vince Scully calling Kirk Gibson's unbelievable home run in the 1988 World Series. I fly ball to deep right field. She is gone. And then Vince Scully went silent and he let the crowd play in. That's because he knows the game of baseball and the emotion of baseball. And hey, Dodgers, if you're listening, that's what I would bring to the booth with Joe Davis. So give me a call. <laughs> You're not going anywhere. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thanks, Russ. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure, Nicole. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Elevate Your Career podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you are listening to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links in the description of this episode. Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, excels at finding top-tier tech professionals and matching them with businesses. Whether you're an employer with tech opportunities or a tech professional searching for the perfect role, ITC is your go-to solution. Visit www.irvinetechcorp.com for more information. Once again, it's www.irvinetechcorp.com. We'll see you on the next episode.